Welcome to 1530. This is episode 12. We'll be covering Indian Wells. And we'll be talking about all the cool matches I was able to go see and some of the statistics there. There's a lot of big names that are moving on and some the some that flamed out early. So we want to get into the numbers behind that. Uh, but my name is Ben. My name is Matt. And we're just two tennis fans on opposite sides of America trying to bring stats to the tennis world. Why don't you start us off with the stat of the day? Stat of the day. So stat of the day, we have 81%. And that is 81% of breakpoints uh, saved. And so before we get to Indian Wells, we want to kind of kind of recap and cover Alcapulco. This is uh, the ATP 500 tournament. It's kind of the warm-up, getting ready for the hardcourt season, mini hardcourt season, I guess, of Indian Wells in Miami. So Nick Kyrgios had a pretty amazing streak there. He beat... Uh, let's get the fullest of players so I don't do him not justice. He beat Rafael Nadal, of course, in a tight three-setter. He beat Stan the Man in a three-setter, John Isner, and finally Alexander Zverev in the final. So pretty impressive. Um, and that 81% breakpoint saved is actually uh, 15% better than his average. He's usually on average only saved 69% of breakpoints. Other part of the stat of the day is we'll, we'll share he won 50% of his breakpoints. And again, this is a lot different than his than his statistical average of 38%. So I don't know if you want to just call that being streaky or lucky or if he really was dialed in that week. I guess it just shows that if the players, um, players like Nick Kyrgios are on their game and focused mentally on those break points that they can beat anybody, I think is what I'm getting from that. Now, I'm not sure if he's here to stay or if that's going to be his new average, but um, I know Nick can be very streaky. Well, no, we've said that about Nick before. His, his ceiling is high, but how often he actually reaches that is, is the problem with him. Is, uh, exactly. Exactly. It was funny. He even was joking when he, uh, I think he was talking to some commentators and he was saying how happy he was with his run, but he was also saying, yeah, I should probably get myself a coach. Yeah, I should probably get serious. But that was just kind of maybe him speaking out loud and didn't obviously end up doing anything for Indian Wells. But it's just funny. I think he knows what he needs to do, but it's also kind of, I think he enjoys where he's at being a little bit lazier, if you want to call it that. But yeah, it was pretty yeah, funny. For it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, of course, on the other ATP 500 warm up, uh, Federer won his 100th title. So congratulations, Roger Federer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He beat Tsitsi Pass in the final. Uh, we're not going to cover numbers from that, but. Uh, just just great that he uh, was able to get revenge from the Australian Open. Obviously, the numbers looked way different than the Australian Open match, uh, especially Cici Bosses. But yeah, so that's uh, we're, we're happy for Federer. Um, so now I want to talk about Indian Wells and the, and the matches I was able to watch, and then we'll get into those numbers behind the matches. So I was there. Uh, my wife and I went. Uh, we saw the first... Uh, we saw the second round, two days, uh, the Saturday and Sunday, and we got to watch some pretty good matches. So we started off on Saturday. Uh, of course, when you get the list of stadiums there, there's um, the way our tickets work is Stadium 1, we'd get some high seats, so it wouldn't be um, as close or intimate with the players. So we wanted to start off, especially during the day, to be in all the smaller courts. Um, so we first match that I saw that caught my eye, 
the day before was Alex Dimonor was playing. I'd never seen him play, so he's the young Aussie that's that we've talked about a little bit. Really, really fast, really good returner. So he played the American uh, qualifier, Marcos Giron, and we got to watch Alexander um, or Alex Dimonor. He won the first set six one very easily, running Marcos all around the court. But then it was really cool to see the comeback. Giron actually beat him in the next two sets four six six two. Um, yeah, Alex service game or service games definitely some to be desired. He has some improvements there, but still a great match. The crowd was into it. Um, Alex is a great returner, very, very long points and quick points there. Um, so that was a pretty fun one. Um, from there, we went over to court stadium three. I believe that was in stadium five or six. We went over to watch a little bit of Roundage and query. And it was funny when we got there, it was just getting into a tie break in the first set and the tie break was extremely one-sided round it once uh is seven to one and my wife was like oh this is kind of boring because most of the points were huge serves that were not really returned because neither guy's the best return round isn't bad but it was pretty funny um she's like yeah not the best so we didn't we didn't stick around for the second <laughs> set but round it won it in straights seven six six four so um we wanted to go see Tsitsipas, and i think matt's gonna have more on this in a minute uh with the numbers but we wanted to, the Alex Dimonor match was just really exciting. So we stayed there and I was like, oh yeah, maybe we'll make it over. Tsitsipas dropped the first set. Maybe we'll make it over if he can come back and, and go to a third set. Long story short, never made it to a third set. So unfortunately I missed Tsitsipas. Uh, being in Stadium 1, maybe, I don't know, it was intimidating for him, but he lost his first match in Indian Wells. We got to watch a little bit of Alexander Zverev. Line was super long to get into that. So it's just, we've got to watch the second half of the match, but... He was pretty dominant, um, despite being sick. There's a big viral illness going around this year in New or in New Wells. I know Serena had to deal with it. Sasha Zverev and other players uh, basically talked about that. So, speaking of Mr. Nick Kyrgios, we got to go watch Philip Kohlschreiber defeat Nick Kyrgios in straight sets, six four six four in Stadium Two. And that one I knew was going to be a popcorn match. I I, I'm not gonna lie. I didn't think it would be that one-sided, especially on the on Nick Kyrgios losing. But Cole Schreiber is a good uh, Wiley vet veteran. But let's get into the numbers of that. Um, so I have them posted right here. So really, the takeaways because I have also Nick Kyrgios's uh, career stats comparing it to right. Just like we talked about the break points. Well, did he follow up like he did in Acapulco? He certainly did not. He won zero percent of break points. He had five five chances. And as far as break points saved, remember when he saved 80% in 81%, excuse me, in Alcapulco, he saved 50%, two out of four. So I don't know if it wasn't the same intensity. He did, and it was funny, he only, I think, smashed one racket. And besides that, didn't really seem to be like maybe emotionally as invested in the match. I don't know, but he seems a lot calmer than normal. Maybe that's a bad thing. I mean, he didn't really care. I don't know. But um, the numbers besides that, so if you compare, First uh, serve points one, percentage-wise, um, it's comparable. It's a little bit lower. It's like 7% lower than his average, but still right there. The key for me is the second serve points one. Um, he only won 47%, especially against a guy like Cole Schreiber. That's, he's crafty, but he's not a huge returner. Um, that's extremely low, um, even though it's only like 4 or 5% lower than his, av than his career average. It's still – that's putting him under more pressure. He, anytime he gets to a second serve, he's not even winning half of them. Um, so I think that put him under a lot of pressure. Um, 
And then the returning numbers actually were even poorer. He only won 18% of first first serve uh, first serve points, and then second serve he won 41%. And so this is in contrast to, of course, like I said, Phil Coulter is winning over 50%, and then he can't even win 50% of the other guys. So kind of demoralizing and comparing that to his career stats, the second serve return points one is about 7% lower than his average. And then the first serve is 8%. So not maybe not huge differences, but I think it's enough where he's not he's not really able to take away anything from Philip Kohlschreiber's serve. And then he's on pressure every time he hits the second serve. Still two tight sets, but it went the other way for him. Um, so then we got to watch Nishioka beat Arbatista Agut. I think that's probably the biggest surprise of the day even more than Alex Dimonor losing. So he lost 7-6, 6-4. We actually had nine match tickets, but the, our, the, our Bratista Goot match was so good, we stayed and, and didn't watch Djokovic. My wife really likes Naomi Osaka. She turned on the TV one time with me and watched over that kind of randomly. So we watched her. That was actually pretty fun. She's the defending champ here. This is before she even won the U.S. Open. She won here at Indian Wells first. So that was, our, that was pretty much our first day. At Indian Wells. Uh, any comments, Matt, over the Nick Kyrgios match or any of the other matches? Were you able to no, watch no. any early round coverage? No, I, I have. I watched a few points uh, from Rafa in the quarterfinals. Uh, but yeah, that's that's it. So that's great. Rafa. That you're watch that. Not surprised. Watch one person, you're going to watch Rafa. That's fitting. You got to. Do what you got to do. You do. You got to support your guy. Got to support your guy. Okay, so uh, now I'm getting into the second day. Second day, I don't know what it is about both days, but we happened to pick a good first match both days. It was on a smaller court both days. Both went three sets. Both had a really good atmosphere. This one was uh, Andre uh, Rublev, the young gun. Definitely excited to see him. It's funny. He's kind of a smaller build dude, but he the power that that guy has is insane. He beat. The, the veteran Robin Hasse, or Robin Haas, I believe, uh, from Netherlands, 6-3, 3-6, 6-3. So this match was like a teeter-totter on who had momentum. Mm. Um, Haas was super good at getting the extra ball back, getting these overheads back, um, anticipating the return. But Rublev just, I mean, he, that guy was just dictating with his forehand. Uh, and we were like front row on that one in, in Stadium 5, and that was just amazing to see how hard he could hit the ball. And so that was pretty fun. That was a really fun match. Um, the second match, we had to rush over to Stadium 1 after because we stayed for the entire Rublev match, um, but got to see Federer. Um, almost bagel, Peter uh, Gotchik, probably butchering that, but um, he was up 5-0, ended up being a 6-1, uh, a breadstick, not a bagel. And then the second set was a little trickier, 7-5. Um, um, Gotchik just started holding a lot better, and so Fed had to kind of dig for that one. But yeah, first set, we're like, man, this is gonna be over so fast, and it was still over pretty quickly. But that was really fun to watch Federer. Um, then we tuned in and watched Chilich beat uh, Lechovic and his awesome one-handed backhand on Stadium Three. Stadium Three, just if you're gonna go to anywhere else, Stadium Three is a great place to always be. There's always good matches. You can work your way down the stands and be really close. So that's kind of what we did throughout. The rest, basically, the rest of day two, we stayed in Stadium Three. 
we sold our night match tickets because I'm not a huge Rafa fan and didn't <laughs> know the the women's uh, tennis people very well. They were, they were like unseated people. So that actually worked out well because the t- tickets are digitally. You can just post and be like, oh, yeah, I'll sell it for this price. And then they automatically sell it for you and give you the money back. So that was kind of cool. I didn't even think about it because I'm like, oh, I want to watch Stanks. I knew it would probably run late. And I was like, yeah, let's just sell the night match tickets. Genius. We'll do that. Um, <laughs> But I think one of the, the the best matches of the day, besides the Stan Vavrinka match, was Johnson, Steve Johnson, and um, Shapovalov on Stadium Three. This was super super fun. So Shapovalov, the Canadian, you know, he's been a little streaky, but watching that kid with that one man in backhand and trying to dictate with the forehand as and as a lefty too, that was just that was amazing to see. Steve Johnson fought really really hard. Um, his service games, honestly, he he was holding pretty well, but just didn't quite have enough, and there was a break in each set. So that was fun for Shapovalov. Um, I think he has a huge future in the game. Watching him in person, I think I know the the promise that these guys see in him. He's beaten the doll before. We'll see. He's got to keep getting better. He lost out. Um, I, th- I thought he's uh, Fed is going to play him in the quarters, but he lost out to who did he lose to? Herk Herkax. The uh, the pole beat him, so still got to get more consistent, but good for him. That's still a pretty good run for him, the round of 16. So now the match that was insane, Stan Wawrinka played Martin uh, Fuskovic of Hungary. So this match was pretty intense from the start. Uh, Stan, the man, was the, the first set was down. He was down uh, a break and had to come back. He won at 6-4. And I was telling my wife, I'm like, yeah, if Stan takes the first set, I think think we'll be okay. If he loses the first set, we might see this thing go three sets. I was wrong anyways. It went three sets anyways, even though he won the first set. Because I thought he'd get his confidence to be going because he dropped the tiebreaker. It was, uh, dropped it 7-5 in the tiebreaker. Um, and then the third set was insane because Stan got an early break. And then as he was trying to serve it out, he got broken. And so he had like a few match points, went away. The crowd was going insane. This again was Stadium Three. It was packed. Uh, we had like really good seats. Actually, had the padded seats like right on the second row there. Um, it went an intense three hours and twenty-four minutes. Oof. Yeah, it was insane. But it was it was really really fun. Uh, my wife and I we got super into it. The, the crowd in general got super into it. Uh, but we were cheering. It felt like we were cheering them on like every point, every other point. Um, so that was really awesome. Um, as far as the numbers go, I do want to get into this match here. And kind of looking at Stan, he's been one of the players, because he's been so injured, we're looking at signs for, is he on the comeback or is he still need to work on his game? Um, so let's let's dive into those numbers here. So I don't know if you know much about Fuskovic. He was actually was the seeded player. Um, of course, Stan winning is not really an upset because ultimately he's a slam winner. But that guy, Fuskovic, Extremely fast, super um, – He the extra ball, that was pretty much what he was all about. Really good shape. He had good ground strokes as well. So this, was, I think, was a really tricky match for Stan, tricky uh, matchup. Um, but we'll, we'll go ahead and look at the numbers anyways and still compare it to Stan's kind of peak numbers and see what we get here. So as far as the, as far as the serve game goes, this is really where Stan struggled. Um and it would just be any fan's opinion watching the match if you were there because he always got into trouble in his service games. He had to get out of it. It was intense, but it's like, come on, Stan, that's not 
usually you're much better on serve. And the numbers back this up, right? So I'm looking here at first serve points one. Um, his, his peak has been 76%. This match, 68%. Not a huge difference, but again, still kind of hurting him on the edge on the first serve because he does have a pretty big first serve um, for not being like a 6'6 six, six height player. And then second serve points one, he only won 42% in the match. And his his peak is usually winning about 56%. So that's the biggest difference, 14% uh, there. And he's just under pressure. Every time he hits a second serve, Fuskovic was just taking it to him. Um, the return game, and this is where, again, we've really been focusing on like, okay, yeah, stand serve numbers are, are similar to where they were, but his return numbers are way low because he doesn't have the mobility or he's not in shape yet or he's still recovering from the injury. The return game actually tells a good story here. So he's... He won 36% of first serve points one, which is actually even better than his career uh, peak of 28%. And second serve return points um, is was better as well, 55%, and his career was 49%. And both those numbers, we've seen him like even winning as low as like 15, 20% of service points in general. Um, in this in this match, he won 44% of return points. So in my opinion, looking at the numbers and watching Stan. He wasn't limping. He was moving really well. He was returning extremely well. Um, they're finally the return numbers are close to his peak numbers, even better. Um, he won. He had to get out of jail a few times on his serve, but I think his serve numbers, there was nothing like super wrong with his serve. I think part of it was just the opponent he was playing. So for me, watching Stan, I feel like he could be a force this year if he continues um, the same peak, the same rise that he's doing right now. So he did get beat really badly by Federer, but uh, yeah, I'm definitely bullish on Stan this year. And last year, I was getting a little bit worried about him. This is uh, as I'm looking at these stats real fast. Um, you didn't mention that they each had to fight off. Stan had to fight off 25 breakpoint chances, and Martone had 23 breakpoint chances. That is a lot of chances on both sides of the ball. Yeah. So, so yeah, wow. So Fuskovic converted, what, four of them, and Stan converted six of his? Yep, yep. That's a lot of pressure on these, on both of these guys' serves. It's a lot of times to fight off. I mean, yeah, it's a three-set match, but... No, no, that's, that's, that's what I felt. I felt like every service point. game... No, just to your point, I felt like every service game, Stan was either... Um, fighting off multiple break points or barely holding. Like it, pretty much yeah. every service game, he was getting into trouble. Like I said, it's not like he was missing that badly. It wasn't a ton of unforced. A lot of it was just the good rallies, man. Really long rallies because Fuskovic was everywhere. He was really hard to hit, you know, winners against. Gotcha. Yeah, that's that looks like it. It would be an interesting match. Yeah, it was. It was really fun. It was super fun. That was definitely one of the best matches. I mean, three and a half hours of intense of intensity, but it was fun to be. I mean, not that I'm necessarily influencing the outcome of the match, but still giving those come ons to stand, kind of boosting stand and being part of the atmosphere uh, was it was awesome. It was probably one of the best matches I've ever seen live. That's awesome. Yeah, it was super fun. Well, and that's one of the we've not uh, you know we're not paid to promote Indian Wells here, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the awesome things about that tournament. I mean, all the major players are there, and you can get so close to them. Yeah. Except for, I guess, on the the what, two, three top courts. Obviously, you have to pay to get closer. But 
I, I mean, they're all, they all play even down to the lowest seed. The level of tennis that they play is just insane. And so to be able to get as close as you can in Indian Wells, it's, it's an awesome venue. Yeah. Awesome. Agreed. Well, and that's something my wife and I talked about as well. She actually, you know, she's watched tennis with me a little bit watching Federer and stuff, but hasn't enjoyed it as much on the TV. Um, but going live, I was a little worried. I'm like, ah, oh, two full days of tennis. She might not enjoy it. She was just as into it as me. She was like, okay, what's the next match? Cause being live, it's so different. Like you're saying, you get to see the level of tennis, see the speeds and the acceleration on the ball. And I was pretty happy that she enjoyed it so much. Um, and we talked about too, if, if we go back, I mean, more like when we go back, we just want to go and not even, well, I don't even think we'll buy a night match tickets mm. just because you're, you're so far high up. I mean, it's fun the first few times just to yeah. be there to see Federer live or see Nadal live, but you're just so high up. It's not the same. And so just doing the $50 um, date uh, grounds pass, you could still get maybe 10 hours of tennis too. Cause this match ran super late. That's, that's really good uh, bank for back. And that's where we wanted to be anyways. That's where we realized like, I don't want to watch Djokovic. I want to stay here right. and watch. XYZ who are right here in front of us. So like you're saying, that's, that's what I would definitely recommend. Go to Inwells, yeah. go to the small courts, stadium three by the biggest stadium you want to go to. And it's, it's, it's an awesome atmosphere stadium. That's the one where we got to see uh, David Ferrer in the third set tie break against even Dodig. If you remember that, mm -hmm. that's the first year we went. Yeah, that's awesome. I think I missed most of that match because I was watching Rafa warm up. I think I watched him practice. Yeah. But I got to see the end of it. It was awesome. Nice. So. Um, I guess one other thing I wanted to mention. Um, so it was really cool. So we were walking by. I think it was on. It was definitely day one. I think we were walking from. I can't remember which match. But either way, we were kind of walking over by the practice courts. And just all of a sudden, just saw someone's back turned. And I was like, ah, I think I recognize that person. And looked over and I saw his coach. Magnus Norman, I recognized, oh my gosh, that's Stan Vavrinka. And there was like hardly any crowd because uh, if you've, again, if you've been to any wells and you've, you, the practice schedules, they release them ahead of time. So if a player like Federer Nadal is going to practice, people will wait hours and hours, even before mm -hmm. they're scheduled, just to be ready to go see them, chance to an autograph, or just to see them practice really, really close, right? right. Um, but there's not a lot of seats. And so Stan was just getting there. He uh, was practicing with Luca Pui. And it was really cool to, to watch him from sitting down and then he was able to go and warm up um, and practice. And then that's when a lot of the crowd was like, oh, that's Stan. And then people started pushing it and stuff. But I got some good pictures. Um, so that was pretty fun to watch him practice. Nice. And I was like, I'll get to see you tomorrow. And it ended up, yeah, of course, being one of the best matches seen in the next day. So that was, pretty, that was really fun to see Stan. Very cool. That's awesome. I guess while we're, just, while we're talking about Stan, we can talk about the, of course, his uh, his reward for winning that match, that intense three and a half hour match, was Roger Federer himself. Unfortunately, based on how the seating <laughs> and the draw work, because Stan, of course, being unseated. Um, so I'll I'll go ahead and talk about both players, Stan and Federer, with their numbers real quick, and then I want to uh, turn time over to Matt to discuss some of some other numbers here. So first, we're already on Stan, so let's continue with Stan. So for so you had eight aces. That was pretty good. As far as uh, first serve points won, though, pretty low, 59%. That's more of what you'd see expect from like a second serve. And then second serve return points won, he actually won 71%. And that's like 15% better than his career average. So that was pretty amazing. Again, Stan does have a good second serve. Um, 
in the men's game, but that's a lot higher numbers than he's even used to seeing. He saved 67% break points right on target with his career average, which is 67%. Um, but it still wasn't enough to, fe to, to fend off Roger Federer, his, his good friend and nemesis. Of course, I think Stan going into this match, Snowden, he's only beat Federer three times out of like 20-something times they've played, and all three times have been on clay. He's never beaten Roger on a hard court, which is insane for, because most of their meetings are on hard courts. Fast majority. The closest he's gotten is the Australian Open 2017. Um, took him to five sets in the semis. But yeah, just Federer just has his number, I think, especially on the hard court. Um, and then on the return points, I think Stan kind of went back to maybe his old ways a little bit, but I think most of this is just the way that Federer, how aggressive he was playing. Stan only won 18% of first, uh, first return points won, and then on the second return, he won 25%. So his career numbers, um, or I guess career peak, was 28% and 49% respectively. So quite a bit lower on both uh, both accounts. And he won 0% break points. Didn't even have a break chance. Uh, Roger was all over him. So again, I don't know. I wouldn't I wouldn't be down. Oh, Stan had really good serve numbers this one match, next or return numbers, excuse me, and the next match really bad return numbers. I think, honestly, it was just on the level of Roger that he was playing. And I got to, I didn't see this match live. I was gone at the time, but I watched a little bit on the, um, on the, on the TV. So for Federer, look at his career numbers compared to this match. So for his, uh, first serve return points, one or first serve points, one, excuse me. Um, he had 82%, which is like 2% higher than his career average of 80%. Really, really high. Obviously Roger gets a first serve in. He's going to, um, either put that away or put the next ball away. That's just kind of how Roger plays. Second serve points one though, 75% compared to his career average of around 60%. That's a that's a pretty significant difference. And obviously this led to him not having any pressure on his service at all. He's winning about the same amount of points, first or second serve, has base no break points. Um, and then on the return side of things, played exceptionally well again. Uh, first serve return points, one was 41% and his career average is 32%, so even higher. Uh, and then on second serve at return points, one a little low, 29% versus his career of 52%. But he was still able to put pressure because he was returning the first serve really well. And some days, Federer, you know, I get maybe he feel this, feels the serve a little bit better, um, what he's talked about and to commentators before. But yeah, overall, he won two out of six break points, which is 33%. A um, little lower than his 40% career average, but with a small sample size, that's about that's about where he would be. So yeah, Federer, extremely dominant on the serve, dominant on the return, at least on the first serve, and this leads to him beating Stan pretty pretty easily, 6-3, 6-4. Yeah, Fed plays well at Indian Wells, I feel like. He cruised this whole tournament so far. Yeah. So. yeah I think his last four appearances, they said, he's made the final. Um mm -hmm. Obviously lost last year to Del Potro, won the year before against Stan in the final, and then the other two times lost to Djokovic both years in a row in the final. So like you're saying, he he just plays really well there. I think the uh, the desert air there allows the ball. He's able to control a little bit better, um, and he just enjoys being there. But it's yeah. funny, the other players, they just don't seem to do well. That Murray's never won it. Chilich mm. never seems to go very far. He at least got through yeah. the second round this year, but... It's weird that some players with big games, you think they'd be able to dictate, and they don't do very well. Yeah. So it's odd. 
All right. Um, before I go into Djokovic, you want to cover uh, Pass and kind of the numbers that, that you saw there? Sure. Yeah. Um, let, me see, let me find it real fast. Um, where'd it go? Oh, here we are. All right. So this was, I don't know, and you can jump in on this too. Kind of an interesting match. Again, I'm just looking at stats. I wasn't able to watch any of these matches, but um, I think the thing that jumps out, there are a few points. First off, Sisipas was hitting, he was getting 83% of his first serves in. That's a lot of first serves. That's a really, really good number. And I mean, of those first serves, he was winning 64, he won 64% of them. So, I mean, that's the thing. He was, he only won 38% of his second serves, uh, second serve points, but there were only eight of those, right? Right. So small sample size. Right. It's a super small sample size. I don't know that you could look at that and say, oh, that's, you know, that's the reason. I think um, the biggest key of this match, as far as numbers go, is that um, Tsitsipas had, let me make sure I say this right. Had seven chances to break uh, the Canadian. I think this guy was Canadian uh-huh. that he was playing, and uh, didn't convert a single one. Um, and so, is that right? Yeah. Yep. 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 And so that's that's a that's a lot of break points to miss out on. Um, whereas he him Sissipas himself faced three break points and uh, lost all three of them. And so I think that kind of tells the tale of the story is you can't win a match if you're, if you're not getting the break points. He had the chances. He just wasn't able to convert those. So uh, ended up losing, crashing out, and crashing out pretty early. So, so it's yeah. still got to me with that match. But. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, especially seeing that he had twice as many break points as the Canadian, right? As Alice, right. Alice me, I think the, the, French Canadian, yeah, like you're saying. So, the Canadian won three of three. He had he had seven. Sitsipas had seven. It was zero for seven. Um, yeah, like you said, I think that just kind of sums it up there. Of course, looking at the return game too, he's only get, he's getting in less than twenty percent of first serve. Yeah, and that first is return true. points. That's that's tough. Yeah. But the but the second serve, the second return points isn't terrible. Forty seven percent. But like you're saying, it's it's. Uh, it almost reminds me of Feder, right? In those matches where he's there and he has the break points and then he just can't seem to close it out. Like the like the Australian Open match against CC Pass, right? Mm-hmm. Feder had chances. He just didn't he was just terrible at converting them. So I don't know if CC Pass felt the pressure. Um, or if he just wasn't feeling it that day, maybe being nervous on Stadium One, I don't know. But yeah, whatever it was, I think the break point is the key and it, it often is the key in matches, to be honest. You have to win the right points and he clearly yeah. didn't. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing. I mean, at that point, you kind of try to get in their head and say, what happened here? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. I guess that? overall, though, too, just looking at the points uh, as well, it's not like it was a 50 50, 50%, 50% for winning points. And then the Canadian sure. just happened to win the right points. He, he did only win 41% of the total points. That is true. The Canadian, obviously, 59%. So Canadians returning better. Obviously serving really good, and so CT Pass isn't isn't uh, able to win some return points and to get pressure, but still, 
the way tennis works is he, if he wins some break points, it doesn't matter about all the other points. So looks like he was getting dominated a little bit. Yeah. Well, and I feel like uh, when Sissipas made his run in the last grand in the grand slam, yeah, that that one I think that he beat uh, Fed. I feel like he was just a lot more clutch. He took advantage mm-hmm. of the break points that he had, and he also he also uh, held off and did not get broken in, in the break chances on his own surf. He was able to fight off a lot of those. So I think that helped him huh. get forward. So whatever it was, yeah, like you said, I don't know if it was nerves or what, but well, he wasn't able to do that this time. Yeah, and unfortunately, I was unable to watch because he lost too quickly. <laughs> yeah, we, we wanted to watch the uh, Alex Di Minore match, and then we're like, "Oh, he's already lost." Because we were going to go over and watch him for uh, a set or so, but he never made it to a third set. Yeah, sure did. But um, yeah, and then another thing that I think is interesting as well with Suti Pass, um, right? So he he did actually follow up and and do well in a tournament. He made the Dubai final, but before. In Rotterdam, he lost pretty early on as well. Um, came for a second or third round, but either way, I think well, we were wondering about this, if the sustainability of the consistency, okay, you made a slam semifinal, that's great, but how are you going to do in, in these other matches? And, and even with improved seating, you know, is he going to do even better? Right. And so Rotterdam, he proved he did not. But <laughs> Dubai, he beat Monfils in, an in, in a really intense match. Again, it was pretty clutch because both those guys won pretty much the same number of points, right? It was extremely tight. Um, and Tsitsipas was able to win that one. Uh, of course, Federer waxed him pretty hard in the final, 6-4, 6-4, but <laughs> still he made a final. That's that's great, right? But here in Indy Wells, inconsistency, we'll see how he does in Miami. Uh, you yeah. know, it's going to be hard to maintain the level, but if but we'll see if he can uh, if he can find that consistency. Yeah, and I, again, you go back to the youth, the inconsistencies of youth, right? It's, it's something yep. that the big four have that all of these young guns coming up all seem to struggle with consistency. Yep. Exactly. Yep. 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 Um, did you so want to talk you, about Joe? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Let's talk about Djokovic before we get right. into Feder and Nadal. So let's go up to here to Djokovic. So Djokovic, this tournament, he has owned Feder and him both are tied for the most Indian Wills titles of all time. Um, so they both performed really well in the desert, but Djokovic kind of stumbled here. Um, he stumbled against Philip Kohlschreiber, which is interesting. I mean, I, I love Philip's game. I enjoy his one hand and backhand, but, uh, usually not the type of guy that can, that can take the racket out of Djokovic's hand, but this is kind of what happened, which is, which is interesting. So if we look here at the numbers, I have Djokovic's, uh, peak numbers here compared to, compared here. So on the first serve, about the same. Um, first serve points one. But when you get into second serve points one, this is what's really concerning. It's not a small dip. It's a huge dip. So Djokovic, we know, is extremely, does extremely well on the second serve. Um, he wins about 56% of his second serve points one. This match was 42%. Um, how many he won in the match? Pretty pretty huge dip. Um, as Then as far as break points, um, he saved 25% which is lower than his um, peak numbers of saving 68% break points. Again, small sample sizes, but still you'd expect Djokovic to save a few more. Um, he's extremely hard to break. Um, and then when you go into the return game to look at that, he's returning on the first serve return 
31% versus 34% of his peak. So about the same, a little bit less. Um, but then on the return, Djokovic usually wins 58% of second return points won. And here he's 47%. So again, another big difference, right? Over 10% drop. And that's where, we, that's where we know Djokovic is one of the best turners in the game. He puts pressure. When it's the second serve, that's when he makes you pay. Uh, he didn't really make Kolstreber pay that much. Um, and then break points one uh, was one out of five, so 20%. Again, we know his peak numbers are going to be better than that, and he wins 43%. So obviously not able to capitalize on the break points that he has or save them, but I think for me... It's just it's a weird match, but obviously you have to win more of your second serve return points um, against Cole Schreiber, right? Cole Schreiber is a good server, but Djokovic is one of the best returners. He needs to put more second serves returns in play, and then he has to win more second serve uh, second serve points himself. So very weird match to me. Um, it's concerning if these numbers continue. I don't think he'll be winning many slams with these numbers. But <laughs> for me, I think this is a one-off. I wouldn't say Djokovic is done because he's been so dominant. Yeah. I just maybe, maybe there's some rust. He hasn't played since the Australian Open win. Uh, yeah. Meanwhile, even Federer and Nadal, everyone's played, at least Acapulco or Dubai. So I wouldn't yeah. raise the red, red flag right now, per <laughs> se. But if we see numbers more like this, and I wonder if, if he's going to decline, if this is the way he does it, he just can't. You know, second serve, he just he isn't winning as many points. It's a weaker second serve. And then returning, he's just not moving very well on the second serve return. But yeah. you know, very weird match. Like I said, the number difference, right? Man, why why is it such a big difference? But credit yeah. to Cole Schreiber, I guess we can say. And then Djokovic yeah. was just a little bit uh, off. And then and when I watched this match too, you know, Cole Schreiber hit some good shots, and then Djokovic is like, Okay, I'm there, he gets there, but then he whips the you know, pulls the backhand up the line and it's wide. So just shots that you would normally make on the pass, you just wasn't really making. So again, I, I would credit more to an off day and some rust. Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting. I don't know. Maybe this is just me, but I feel like um, you you expect when players come back from injury to take a little bit to warm up. Um, but that hasn't really been the case with the big three because Fed, Rafa, and Joke have all been, been out for some good amount of time in these last couple of years. And I mean, Fed came back and played better than he had before he was injured. And Rafa did similar things and Joe kind of followed the same way in the way that he played last year and came back and just went to, went to town on, on players. And so I think this kind of play is what we kind of expected <laughs> when he originally came back. It's, he's just doing it out of order. I don't know. I expected him to be a little bit more human than, than he played last year. So maybe he's just, you know, actually finally feeling the effects of <laughs> maybe, <laughs> a little bit maybe. of rest coming back. But well, I'm just joking. No. I think no, this is I think this is unusual. If I recall though, um this uh this match was delayed, right? They played like Correct. a game or two and then got rain delayed. Correct. Yep. So, so who knows? It could have been a different result that night because he actually had he was into Cole Schreiber. They only played like they played one game and then they were into Cole Schreiber's second service game and it was like deuce and Cole wow. Schreiber had to go back and win the game the next day, which he did. But like you're right. saying, maybe maybe something different would happen. Rain delays do weird things to, to momentum do. in tennis. It's weird. Yep. So good point. Though I do want to say though, Djokovic, he did kind of struggle coming back, right? With That's I, true. I don't know if it was elbow in the French games. Open, but it was once he figured it out, then it was just 
like clockwork again. So yeah, I, I don't know. It's yeah. Jokovic right. sometimes is hard to read uh, for me. I agree. Yeah, he struggles to random players. You're like Sam Query at Wimbledon. You're like, yeah. well, maybe there's injury. Like I don't know. I think obviously the players keep things close to the chest. So sometimes you don't know if it's is it the level of the opponent or is it just you know Djokovic is just kind of playing poorly. Um, it's weird. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, let's see. So where are we at now? So now Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal. So if you're a Federer or Nadal fan, how are you feeling now? <laughs> Yeah, we're finally getting the matchup that we all wait for and haven't been able to get in a while. Yeah. Well, I guess not in a while, but it's been surprisingly elusive. Yeah, it has. When's, when was the last time that they played? Was it, uh, I mean, definitely, obviously, not this year. Last year, 2018. I don't know if they played in 2018, actually. Mm, I don't know. I know that Fed has the last five on him. I know. I do know Four that. Four of them were in 2017, yeah. Yeah, I think the last time I can remember is Shanghai 2017 because he beat him. Indy, or Australian Open, Indy Wells, Miami, um, yeah. Basel the previous year, and then uh, Shanghai. Yeah. So I don't, think, I don't think they played in 2018. Could be I wrong. I think so. Um, I can right. check, but. Yeah, Fed has definitely had Rafa's number, and I, I don't think tomorrow is going to be much different. Rafa called the trainer out today and uh, his knee's been giving him problems. So uh, I don't know. I'd be surprised, honestly, if Rafa makes it all the way through the match. Interesting. Okay. I didn't know about the injury thing. Yeah. Yeah. His knee was flaring up. I mean, obviously, hatching off, because even just looking at the mat, at the score, I was only able to follow the score today, not able to watch. Just following the score, I know, obviously, hatching off. And even though he hasn't beaten Rafa, the last couple times he's been in it. Right, the mm-hmm. U.S. Open in particular, I'm thinking of. He won the first set, and then it was a bunch of tie breaks after that, and it all won those tie breaks. Look, and today I'm like, oh, not surprised, tie breaks. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess like not watching the match, it's hard to tell physical. Problem, yeah, so. yeah, no, he's yeah catching up, or yeah, he's a huge server, and yeah. so it's it's always tough for Rafa to play. Yeah, but, yeah, see. so we'll see. I'm hopeful, but yeah. Yeah. Not getting anything to, not getting too excited for. <laughs> yeah, especially Indian Wells. I mean, Nadal has won it a couple times, but um, what was the, uh, I think last time was 2013, but yeah. Injuries, it's going to be hard. Um, I was going to, I was going to go all into it on you. I'm like, oh, yeah, better. <laughs> I thought you were going to be a little bit more like uh, bullish on Nadal. No yeah, pun yeah. intended on the bull. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll concede this one. Okay. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's just sorry, weird because even because uh, I think if Nadal would have played him last year, at least the second half, because last year was really two halves for Federer. First half of the year, pretty incredible winning the Australian Open, making the Indian Wells final, but kind of after that, he fell off pretty hard and didn't really play very well. So I think if Nadal would have played him second half of the year, it would have been a toss-up or Nadal winning probably, but I don't know about first half. And this year, it's like, well, which Federer are we going to get? The 2017... Yeah. That he's unbeatable, or are we going to get the 2018 second half of the year fed? So I think from the numbers, like I just talked about the stand match, and even you have this other, uh, his semifinal match here, I think we have the fed of 2017, or at least the first half of 2018 right now. Yeah, no surprise it's Indian Wells, but his numbers yeah. are as good, if not better, um, yeah. right now. So uh, I agree. I would also predict. Fetter to probably win, and I don't know who's going to show up on the other half of the draw because I think it's Team and Raonic. 
but yeah. I would I would got I would have to favor honestly the winner of tomorrow. But Federer yeah. wins, I wouldn't be surprised if he takes it because that's weird. It's almost the semifinals, not the final, because there's no joke on the other half. So yeah, it is funny. Yeah, that way. although who knows? Team maybe maybe breaks out. Maybe can't count them down. Team's another weird one. Like he he plays yeah. amazing on clay, <clears throat> and then hard courts. I just feel like you never know which team you're going to get. Right, like the U.S. Open last year was pretty awesome. Barely lost to Rafa, uh, but other years you're like, man, he's uh, he loses in the first round. So I don't know. It kind of reminds me of a Dimitrov, where yeah. you where you, you're like, oh yeah, he made the semifinals of the Australian Open, and the next week you're like, oh, he lost in the first round again. Yeah. So, but that side of the draw has had uh, multiple withdrawals. Uh, lots of people bowing out early before the match is over. So. Yeah, that's been too bad. They've kind of had a. An easy route, those those two players out there to an easier route. So no, I agree. Maybe Rafa and Fed will beat each other up and then limp yeah, into the never finals. Know. Never know. Um, I guess did you want to go through any of the in the stats from Rafa from Rafa's match today? Anything of interest? Uh, you know, I think it was kind of clockwork. You can. Talk about some things if you want. Yeah. Rafa only just... won two out of nine breakpoint chances, which always concerns me. Yes. <laughs> it always concerns me when they're not, <laughs> not winning a high percentage of their breakpoint chances. But yeah, yeah just... I mean, if you have something, go for it. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I just, I'm just looking at his serve numbers, which for Nadal, that looks actually pretty awesome. And, and that's what I was even thinking. I'm like, first serve uh, points one, that looks good. And compared to his peak numbers, um, it is good. Uh, well, actually, let me actually pull up his peak. I just had his career numbers. Um, okay. Nope, still about the same. Yep, so his uh, first serve points won 69% here, 76%. That's that's incredible for Rafa, especially without that huge weapon that he has. Uh, second serve, uh, uh, second serve service points won, sorry, um, is also is also good. It's close to his career and like off by like half a percent. Um, so there, there, I don't think there's any concerns. If he's physically hurt, he's not showing it in the serve, which sometimes he does. So serve wise, he looks fine. Great. And then let's see return. What do we got on return? So first serve return points one, he won 32%. His career is 35%. So probably statistically still within the range, a few percent difference. Second return points one, um, 54% career and then 55% here. So even better. And I think that's again where Nadal makes his money is that second return points one to a lesser extent of Djokovic, but still that's where he does well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think the break points is really the only concerning thing. All the other numbers to me look like a healthy Nadal look like a peak Nadal. So I don't know, maybe Federer will have his hands full more than we think if he's healthy. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Time will tell. We'll find out. Time will tell. Because to me, this looks like both guys are close to their peak uh, statistical form. So, yeah. which which one will win out? I don't know. We'll see. Last five games, it's been fed. Maybe Rafa will finally exercise his demons. And <laughs> Maybe. Get revenge. Well, that's the funny part about tennis, right? Like, Federer's like, okay, I'll change the forehand up. I'll get more aggressive, come over it more, take out Nadal more. Who knows? I don't know if there's an adjustment Nadal can make. More aggressive, I don't know. But <clears throat> tennis is a game of adjustments, so. Sure is. Well, is there any other last uh, comments on 
we talked about our Indian wells in general? Uh, I think that's everything for me. Yeah. Uh, me as well. Just obviously super excited that I got to go to Indian wells, watch some good matches. Like I said, hopefully you enjoyed our coverage talking about some of these early round matches and, and the numbers behind them. Obviously tomorrow is going to be the semifinal. So we will see who will meet in the Indian wells final. That'll be, will be awesome to watch. Um, Obviously, upcoming will be Miami, and then we should probably do a clay court preview or a clay season preview since Fed's going to be playing that, which is going to be fun. And then, oh, obviously, yeah. Nadal isn't going anywhere, assuming he's not injured. So uh, I think it's going to be a fun one to talk about. I think it might even be more wide open than usual because Djokovic doesn't seem to be playing that good. We'll see. Maybe he'll come back. But And Federer hasn't played in a while, so we will see. Maybe get some fresh faces. We'll see. Find yeah, we'll definitely see. Well, with that, we will go ahead and we'll see you guys on the court.